What is up, everybody? This is Ryan with the Scale Up Show. Have a special guest. And I have Chad Ingram, who is the founder and CEO of Distro, solving one of the biggest problems in tech. On top of it, too, he's an endurance racing athlete, if you will, and is a three-time founder and shares his philosophical and tactical takeaways from founding three different companies. You're not going to want to miss this. Check it out. How do you grow like a VC-backed company without taking on investors? Do you want to create a lifestyle business, a performance business, or an empire? How do you scale to an exit without losing your freedom? Those are the questions, and this show is the answer. Welcome, everybody, to the Scale Up Show. This is your host, Ryan Staley, and I have a very special guest with me today. I have Chad Ingram. Chad is the founder and CEO of distro.io. Is a platform where you can find, hire, and pay remote developers. Uh, it was pretty funny. Chad actually was close to becoming a lawyer, uh, but now is a three-time founder, and on top of it, is a race track, race car driver for endurance off-roading, and is a great guy that I met uh, IRL in real life at an event. Chad, welcome. Happy to have you on the show, man. Yeah, it's great. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it because you're doing some great things. And so, but before we get too deep into your backstory. Let's do a real quick revenue rundown so just everybody understands kind of like where you're at in terms of your stage stage of the journey. So can you tell us where you're at in terms of your ARR? Yeah, ARR is about $2 million, uh, currently and uh, quickly growing. Awesome, man. And then what is your primary go-to-market strategy for revenue growth? You know, I... I don't think that we know yet. Um, we st- we sold out the gate really fast, and so um, we're we're not super focused on creating like a strong demand gen engine right now because we want to make sure that our product doesn't fall behind. So we're really focused on building product. Now we have a lot of inbound sales still coming in, and so we're trying to make that balance between product and and new customers. That's awesome. So let's talk about your solution then. So, so folks have some context in terms of what you're doing and who you're serving. So can you just walk through that and like what a use case would be for an ideal customer? Yeah, for sure. So uh, with Distro, we created an alternative to hiring a dev shop. So companies have really two options currently now with Distro 3, but you can either pay your software developers a ton more money, uh, you know, here in the US to try and keep them. They still leave. Um and then your, your second option is to then hire and contract a dev shop to work on some of your product. Um, that has a lot of its own downsides, um, you know, like long contracts, misalignment, account managers managing the work as opposed to, you know, you know, anyway, there's a lot of problems there. So, um, so we created an alternative. So uh, Distro is a marketplace for you to find, hire and pay developers around the globe. Um, so, all of the work in distro is full-time long-term work as if you're hiring an employee working remotely for you. So um, it's been tremendously successful. Uh, Distro is not in charge of any of the service work or anything like that. We simply facilitate the the hiring through our platform. Okay. Excellent. Love that. And I see like we've talked about before, massive need for what you offer in the market, just from the folks that I work with and the, the folks that we both mutually know. So yeah, I'm really excited for you in this opportunity, man. So h- how large is your team right now? So our, our team, we've got five US-based uh, team members, and then we have uh, five around the globe uh, through through our own platform, Distro. So it makes it kind of convenient to scale our own team. Um, and then we're hiring for three more right now. Nice. Good stuff, man. 
so lean shop, but that's awesome to have, you know, 10, 10 people hitting 2 million. I think that's great. And then are you bootstrapped or funded? Um, that's a hard one to answer. I would say bootstrapped, but I did fund it initially. So, um, yeah, so I put in 250 to kind of kickstart us and get us going. And then, um, yeah, so, but other than that, I would say we're bootstrapped. I think it still counts if it's my own money and I'm the founder. I probably, it's still bootstrapped, I would say. So you put in 250 mil? No, you know, well, sorry, <laughs> 250,000. I'm just messing with you, man. I, I figured it was a 250 mil. There uh, would have been a big press release. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm just busting your chops. I figure it was 250k. That's yeah. I think that's definitely yeah. the, the bootstrap piece. You're, you're either you're using your own money to make it work. So I think it definitely yeah. counts. So let's talk about your your backstory in terms of how you got to this point. I know you founded a couple other companies um, and had a really really interesting journey that we chatted about. So like, how did you get here to this point where you're you're founding your third company? It's growing like wildfire. And like, what? I mean, like, I guess like what prepared you or created the person you are today to be able to handle that now? Oh man, we could talk for hours, uh, but, <laughs> but we won't. Uh, so anyway, I don't know. I, I can, I can share. Um, I'll try to be as readers digest about it as I can. Um, but so I was in, I was in uh, the last semester of my undergrad at, at BYU, uh, Brigham Young University, and I was studying um, pre-law and philosophy. And so my plan was to like go the safe route and, you know, my parents were small business owners. And so I saw sort of beast and famine and I was like, well, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to go get a steady job and I'm going to make, make everyone proud and get that big salary from the law firm. And so anyway, I started like interviewing lawyers who are, you know, cause whatever, whatever I do, I do it really intense. Right. So if I'm going to go be a lawyer, I want to talk to lawyers and find out what's going on. So I go and I talk to like 10 different lawyers and there were two of them that stood out to me. One of them was this really awesome kick-ass female. Um, I'll, I totally remember her. And she was kind enough to sit down with me and talk to me about her job. And she, she was one that really enjoyed what she did. But she was literally a ball-busting divorce lawyer. And so <laughs> she was just kicking guys down left and right, you know. And so she really enjoyed it. Um, the, the other eight... Uh, did not enjoy what they did. In fact, they discouraged me from being a lawyer. Really? And then there was, oh wow. yeah. And then there was like the final one, which is kind of like cinematic, like the last person I talked to. He, uh, there's this like, uh, you could go to this class and hear, you know, attorneys speak on their jobs and everything. They bring them in to like, you know, teach the students. And so this guy comes in and he's like really animated about what he does. And he goes, oh, I went to this place to law school. Then I went to this big firm and then I started practicing. And then I left that big firm and I opened my own law practice. And then I ran that for a few years. Then I started buying and selling businesses. And now I don't even teach law or I don't practice law. And I'm like, this guy's not even a freaking lawyer. No wonder he's so happy. So I'm like, I can't be a lawyer. So I literally uh, quit um, and went home, talked to my wife about it. And she's like, all right, well, what now? And I said, well, I don't need to go to school anymore. I'm, you know, so I just need to go start my own business. Well, what's that going to be? I don't know. I'll figure it out. <laughs> so literally a couple months later, we moved back to California where I started um, with a cousin of mine. I started a first company called Scout. And Scout was essentially a digital marketing uh reporting tool for small businesses, you know, and this was like 
2013, I think. So we did, we grew that for a few years, got it to about 3 million in sales. And then I sold out to my partners because I wanted to go solve a similar problem using only software. And there was more automation. I was learning more and more about it. And so I sold out to, um, to my partners. And then I went and started a company called Jump in 2017, the, like January of 2017. I think we filed the LLC in like October of 16. But so I had the idea of brewing, you know. Um, but officially January 17. And with this one, I, I wanted to go big and wide. And so we, you know, I raised, I, I initially funded it, you know, with some of the money from, uh, from my first company. And then, um, and then after a little while, we raised a series A and a follow on and we raised about 10 million, um, got to about 80 employees and a little over, it was like just under 6.5 million of annual recurring revenue. And um, we came to a point where it was like either raise a really big series B because we were feeling the pressure of our growth. Uh, we grew like super fast within like two and a half years, we had grown, you know, from zero to six and a half million. And so anyway, we got a couple offers from, from some groups to buy us and we ended up doing that as opposed to raising more capital. And so that was, that was a great learning experience uh, selling my first company at like, I think I was like 29 or 30. I can't remember. Um, and did a lot of dumb things and did a lot of good things, I hope. <laughs> but anyway, that was kind of like the, the rundown. So getting into the distro side, like we sold uh, jump right before the pandemic. And um, there was a lot of learning lessons, like even before the pandemic, I had, you know, like my, my, my monthly expenses were a little under a million a month. Um, and, and of course, you know, being a SaaS business, for like the majority of that, you know, expense is, is on the PL is headcount is payroll. And so of, of our payroll, um, it was like more than a third was just my development team. And it, there was just very expensive. And even then the demand was just like supply and demand was jacked up. And there were literally like, we're in a big tech hub in Utah called, we call it the Silicon Slopes here. Like literally like we share parking lots with Adobe and Microsoft and Snapchat. And, you know, and then we have tons of smaller funded startups. And so literally like, developers were walking across the parking lot to interview, you know, during the workday and then coming back with an offer in their hand that was significantly more than they were making. And this was in 2018, you know, like that was still a big problem then. So I knew that there was a big problem. And so as I came out of jump and, and the pandemic started and I'm literally sitting at home, um, you know, then I started doing the race car driving, which was awesome. But like, I keep thinking about this problem. I have friends coming to me like, you know, how do I, how do I get scrappy and build a remote team? Like, what's the best way to hire a, a dev shop, you know, in another country? What's the best way to negotiate with them? And these are just different things I've had experience with over time. I'm like, there's a huge opportunity here. Like the way, like the whole idea of like what got us here is not going to get us there is like so true right now. Um, you know, so I, anyway, and there's, there's a bunch we could talk about there, but so I was like, there's gotta be an alternative to, um, you know, to like just paying a ton more money or hiring a debt shop. Like what if you could like independently using a platform like distro find somebody you're interested, who's totally qualified, 
who's in a time zone that aligns with yours or near near yours. And you just really like this person and you want to be able to hire them, but they're like maybe one of them's in Ecuador and then another one's in Brazil and then another one's in, you know, West Africa or wherever. Like there should be a platform that allows you to hire all those people full time to work directly for you. They're in your Slack, they're in your email, they're in your one-on-ones, you know, they're joining your your daily or your uh, sorry, your company stand up all hands meetings like those, those, that's the way it should be do, done. And so I was like, all right, let's, let's giddy up and do it. So in 2021 last year is when we started putting together our founding team and we went for it Love that, and it man. worked. Hello, this is Ryan here. Real quick, if you are enjoying this episode, please hit the subscribe button and leave a comment or review. If you want more help or just want to learn more about what the top SaaS CEOs and founders are doing, check out my website at www.ryanstaley.io. Join my newsletter. Check out other free content resources I have there. And let me know if you want to scale your business. Now back to the episode. So like, and you, you brushed upon this because I think that's a great story and, and you obviously saw patterns of problems and you kind of mentioned that like, hey, what, what's going to get you here? Is it going to get you there? What what did you, you said, let's go deeper on that or we could go deeper on that. What were you thinking with that? And I assume you're, yeah. you're talking about the change in the whole entire structure of how business is operating right now. Yeah, totally. And and I this is actually something like I'm super passionate about right now. In fact, I was just like, I wasn't trolling something somebody's LinkedIn post, but I was definitely commenting on somebody's LinkedIn post today about it. Um, that like, so four, five, six years ago, it was a huge bragging right to talk about your headcount. Okay, not your revenue, but your headcount. Headcount was like one of the biggest things. You know, like, oh, you know, we, we've been in business three years and we have 600 people in our company. Okay. We're, we're at 700 people in our company. Like they're bragging about headcount before they are revenue. And, and, you know, in order to get to 600 employees, you, there, you know, there has to be a minimum baseline of revenue, right? Otherwise you wouldn't hire that many. But the truth is, is it was much more around, um, funding, right? Because you could have, you know, one company has a hundred million in revenue and 600 people. You could also have a company with 25 million in revenue and the same headcount. Mm-hmm. And what this company did was, was raise more money. And that's fine. But the point is, is that there's, that there's, there's this big stigma around headcount. Like we either raised a ton of money or we got a lot of sales. Okay. Fine. Whatever. There's a few companies that, you know, where, where we're at, like uh, Divi, you know, uh, great revenue, um, but, but definitely higher on the headcount end than, than what a lot of their peer companies would be on the revenue side. And that's because they raised like hundreds of millions of dollars in, in capital. So that I think has been the norm to like brag about your headcount. And I yeah. think that's going to change for two reasons. One is because everyone's been been on, uh, everyone's been struggling to find the right talent. Not just developers, account managers, CS people, marketers. Like there, there's just not as much available talent anymore for to meet the demand of these growing tech companies. 
Um, and then I think that, that the other reason is because um, uh, th there's just less capital right now for some startups. And that's just been that way for the last, like, I don't know, four or five, six plus months, uh, where I think even VCs and funded companies are saying, all right, let's, let's just change the way we're looking at this a little bit. Let's be a little bit more capital efficient. And so companies are getting more and more creative about alternatives in hiring and building companies. Like you're seeing companies hire freelancers and use Upwork and Fiverr and stuff like that in, in positions they would have never done before. And so I guess what I'm saying is like this, this idea that, that headcount is your metric of growth or the bigger the office, the bigger the HQ. Like it, I don't think that's going to be a bragging right anymore. I think it's going to be like, okay, can we get to, can we get to 50 million in ARR with, with 75 people? Yeah, maybe. And that same company would have had like 700 before. It's true. I mean, I see it. I think it's, it's that it's team. Like, Oh, I got such a big team. Right. And like, I have yeah. such a big team to do that. And it was so funny. Cause um, I ran a mastermind for some SaaS CEOs. And one of the things that came up is, um, the bootstrap founder was talking about how many people they had on their team and their revenue and the, the VC back people were talking about their team and their revenue. And it was like, it was like <laughs> different. different. It was like different. They're like, wait, how do you do that with only 38 people? Like we have 120 and they're that similar revenue ranges. Right. So I know totally. exactly what you're talking about. So I think it's that. And then also people always brag of like, I think it's like, well, if we raise this amount of money, that means we're, we're really good. And then you have these like massive valuations. So they talk more about like their valuations and the projection versus what they're actually doing. Do you, do you notice the same thing? Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know what though, like it's hard because there's no, I also believe this as a principle. I, I like to focus on principles and not so much like there's one way to do something, you know? And the, one of the principles that I've learned is just that, that there is no one way to load the dishwasher, sweep the floor, right? There's a lot of different ways to do things. And so, you know, that example of, of a local tech company that I was talking about called Divi, um, the founder was very good at raising capital. Like he came from that world. And so, in fact, most funded, like successfully funded tech companies are founders who came from the VC world and decided to go start their own, their own deal. Um, and so, okay, that's their strategy and that's something they're good at. And there's a great outcome for them. That's great. But, but the fact is that it's not that way for most people. Like it's not, and I'm not anti VC. I like, you know, I had, I had a good, you know, VC at my, at my last company or couple and, um, you know, it was a good experience, but, you know, as people started approaching me, so for, for distro, we got going and, you know, we're selling to these funded tech companies. And so you know, obviously they're talking about us in their board meetings to their investors. So the investors start reaching out. And so, um, you know, like, and I've had like, you know, interesting conversations with them on, on whether we should invest or not. And we've had a couple of VCs be pretty aggressive to us about investing. Um, and then we had another investor who gave us an offer and then retraded it, which was totally weird. Um, but, but we ended up like just not, doing it or not even feeling the pressure to raise or not even feeling like, I don't know. It's been weird this time. Like with jump, I felt like I needed to raise. And now I totally feel like I don't need to. No. And that doesn't mean that we're going to be smaller. 
Like, I, I think that we could just be smarter. Like, you know, you're, I had this thought as you were talking a second ago about, about like, you know, the same company with the similar revenue metrics, but, you know, VC back has this many people and, you know, the headcount on the, the bootstrap company is much less. And the problem is, is that like, every time you raise capital, you solve the problem with capital instead of like being creative as just entrepreneurs. It's like, all right, we need to post social media. We need a social media person. Okay. Well, how much time does it take to actually post to social media? It doesn't take that much time. Like, is that somebody you can find on Fiverr? Um, anyway, I just, yeah, I think it's, I think a lot is changing. A lot is changing. Well, yeah, and we're almost up on time. So let's shift gears real quick. So yeah. what would you say across the pattern that you've seen with the not only the tech companies that you've personally grown and developed, but also the ones you work with? What do you see as the single best framework to grow a company in this space, in the tech space? Ooh, um, it's a good question. I have two answers for you. I have the more CEO philosophical answer and then the more tactical answer. So the philosophical answer is to create um, a, a real framework around your company vision, you know, which is really the Jim Collins framework, which is, you know, uh, uh, core values, mission and purpose. So if you can't, if you can't identify why you're in business and what the purpose is uh, for you to be in business and what you're doing, what you're trying to accomplish. If you can't get clear on that for yourself and for your company, you're going to be chasing squirrels all the time. You're just going to be chasing squirrels. And so clarity helps you find what you want and what you're looking for. It also helps you um, by identifying what you're not looking for. And so that enables growth. And so that's a little bit more of the philosophical answer is getting very clear about why you're in business, what your purpose is, what your core values are, which is more how we think and how we behave as a team, how we, how we hire, how we fire, uh, anyway, how we problem solve. That's, that's how we behave is our core values. And then the mission is like, where are we going? What are we trying to do? And by when, you know, not, not like a mission statement, but like, all right, by 2022, we are going to be at this revenue, this user count, this churn rate, and so on. So getting clear there really, really enables growth. Um, and But the more tactical answer, I would say, is around um, doing hard things. Have you ever read uh, The Hard Thing About Hard Things? That's a good book, too, by Andreessen Horowitz. I'm pretty sure I that's have, the title. But I have literally have it on my shelf, staring at me right now. But I have not. It's read. a great, it's a great book. And and what the idea that he teaches is that there are no silver bullets. There is no one thing that's going to make you successful. You just have to go out and do really hard crap for a long time. Like, you know what? This year we might do really well on LinkedIn marketing and cold email marketing. But next year, it's going to be something totally different. And we have to be willing to just go out and do hard things. So that hard thing means if you're a startup, you may have to literally go pound down people's doors in person or drop off gifts or like, you know, do weird, uncomfortable things, start a podcast, whatever it is. You might have to go do those things to make it work. And so I, I hear a lot of like founders that just, they just don't want to do hard things. And you will never be big. You will never be big because of that. I love that, man. It's great advice, great wisdom, both from a philosophical and tactical. Uh, and I've lived both sides of that. So I totally uh, can, it resonates with me what you're talking about. So 
We are just about up on time. So it was awesome having you on. Where can people find you? Where can they find out more about Distro? Yeah, so Distro, just go to distro.io um, and either submit a contact form or create an account. It's free to create an account. Um, anyway, it's also free to interview, but go to distro.io. That's D-I-S-T-R-O.io. Um, or you can email me directly, chad, C-H-A-D, at distro.io. Um, and, you know, we can answer questions for you, get you in touch with the right people that can help. And mention that you heard about Distro from the show as well. Just so, uh, yeah, <laughs> you know, we, we, we recognize that. So anyways, Chad, it was awesome having you on the show, man. Really appreciate, you know, what you're working on and the problems you're solving. And so uh, thanks for being on, man. Yeah, thank you so much. Okay, I'll talk to you later. All right, we'll see you all in the next episode. Thank you for checking out the Scale Up Show. My mission in life is to help founders and revenue leaders avoid all the pain and suffering in revenue growth so they can flip it and create a life of their own design. So if you enjoyed this show, please like, review, share it on social, and more importantly, just share it with a friend. Share it with someone that you think could learn and benefit from what you heard on today. But the more we get the message out, the more people we could help, the bigger the impact we make, and the bigger the community gets, which helps everybody. So once again, thank you for being a loyal listener. I appreciate you and look forward to seeing you on the next episode.